2 Chronicles 34, and we'll begin in verse number 1. The Bible said Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one in thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. Father, I pray tonight that, Lord, you would bless the reading of thy word. Speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, give us that touch that we desperately need in this hour. Lord, help everyone in this building, not just young people, but I pray you'll help us all around the word of God. Help us to draw something that will help our life. But, Lord, help the youth tonight. I pray that you'll put something. Uh, Lord, no doubt many of them have already made a decision to serve you, but maybe there's some here tonight, uh, Lord, that in their heart they've strayed. Maybe there's some that's never been saved. I pray, God, that you'll use the message tonight to speak to hearts and have your way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want you to think about Josiah here in verse number 1. His name is what opens up this chapter. And we think about Josiah. God had put him in a place of of kingship at a very young age. And I think when you look at verse number 1, there are several things here in verse number 1 that's interesting. I think his age is interesting when you consider the fact that the Bible tells us that he was 8 years old. Now, I want every young person to think about his age tonight. There may be an 8-year-old boy or an 8-year-old year old girl sitting here tonight and you wonder, uh, does God have a plan? Can God use me? Does God, uh, I'm not big enough for God to be interested in doing anything in my life. Well, I want to tell you God was interested in Josiah's life at eight years of age. Now we know he was interested before that but it ought to encourage every adolescent here uh, tonight that no matter what your age is, no matter how young you may think you are, God's as interested in your life at eight years old as he is at 80 years old and so we see his age and then we see his authority. The Bible said that when he was 8 years old he began to reign. Can you imagine that tonight young people? At 8 years old, could you imagine an 8 year old being the president of the United States? I mean it might be an improvement to where we're at right now but you know I'm just telling you can you imagine at 8 years old one of you boys sitting around here somewhere being the president of the United States? I mean that's a lot of responsibility that's a lot of authority but it was placed in his hands and so we think about his age and we think about his authority and then we think about his area the Bible said that he didn't just reign but he reigned in Jerusalem I mean you think about that tonight he is reigning in what is the greatest capital that has ever been and ever will be it's the very same place that our Savior is going to reign one of these days and here's Josiah at eight years of age. He's sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. I mean he's just been placed there and by, might I say he's been placed there by the providential hand of God. That ought to be a lesson to every one of us that are adults tonight. Never underestimate what God may be wanting to do in anybody's life. Amen. No matter how young, no matter how old they are, we never know what God is wanting to do in their life. And then I think about this tonight. I think about the Bible 
Bible said that he reigned one and thirty years. Now, young people, you need to listen to me tonight. Josiah is a young man in this text, but he died a young man also. When you consider his life, 39 years he lived on this earth. And my admonishment would be to you from that tonight is that you need to serve God while you're young because your youth may be all that you have. Amen? I mean, as a young person, you may be thinking, well, I'll get a little more serious when I get middle age. I'm really going to serve God when I get older. But what if you're cut down in the springtime of life? What if your life is gone when you're just a youth? That's why you better give God the best years of your life because even though you're young, you're not promised tomorrow no more than someone that's up in years. And so we think about these things in verse number one. But I was reading this text this afternoon and here's what I noticed. I noticed in verse number one, the Bible talks about him being eight years old. And then when we get to verse number three, it talks about his eighth year of his reign. And so he's 16 years old in verse number three. Also in verse number three, the Bible talks about the 12th year of his reign. He's 20 years old. Before he gets out of verse number three, he is now 20 years old. If you look with me in verse number eight, it talks about the 18th year of his reign. He's 26 years old in verse number eight. So the Bible starts out in verse number one and Josiah is eight. In verse number three, going into that verse, he is 16 years of age. Coming out of verse number three, he's 20 years of age. And by the time you get to verse number eight, he is 26 years old. Now he's still a young man in verse number eight. And what's interesting about these verses here, in fact, the Bible even says that in verse number three, while he was yet young, he had revival all the days of his youth. Amen. And I want to preach on this subject tonight on a youth revival that lasts. Amen. A youth revival that lasts. You see, I've been to a lot of youth revivals and you have too. I've preached in a lot of youth revivals. This week was up in Winston-Salem preaching in a youth camp this week and we just, we had a good meeting and some folks saying, and I praise God for that. But you know what always is in the back of our minds when we come to the end of any revival, but especially when we think about a youth revival, decisions have been made, people have been saved, maybe someone surrendered to preach, young people have got closer to God, but the real question in the back of our mind is, is it going to last? Amen. You know, that's not just true about young people neither. Any decision we make, we ought to determine by the grace of God it's going to last. Amen. Don't be a Christian that's up and down, in and out, on, on and off, hot and cold. Uh, don't be on the mountaintop one Sunday and on the valley in the valley next Sunday. Amen. Them immature Christians are always like that because they've not grown up. They're still on the milk, uh, and so they run off their emotions and their feelings. Uh, and sometimes they're real happy, and sometimes they're real low. But them steady Christians, those spirit-filled Christians, uh, uh, they just steady through the good times and through the bad. And you've got to be that way. But here, what I see in 
this text tonight. Here is a young man from the age of eight years old until the age of 26, and of course it goes on, but just in our text tonight, we find that he's having revival from a young age all through his youth. It is a youth revival that lasts. May I say tonight, it's not a big congregation, it's not a big crowd, but it's just one individual tonight, young people. We're talking about one person tonight. We're not talking about masses. We're not talking about a big conference here. We're not talking about a big youth camp. We're talking about one boy, one young man that made his mind up. He was going to have revival in his youth. Amen. Is that not what it comes down to? I mean, we could have a youth conference tonight and we could have a thousand young people. Listen to me, young people. Look up here at me. We could have a thousand young people in this building tonight. Well, you couldn't get them in here. But if we was in a building, that would hold it. And you know what it would come down to? The same thing is going to come down tonight anyway. It's going to come down to one individual. What are you going to do? You see, it's not about the person sitting next to you. It's not about the person sitting behind you. Are you going to have revival? Are you going to be saved? Are you going to be closer to God? What are you going to do with the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? And when I think about this young man that had this great youth revival, I told a pastor not too long ago, I said, don't leave your church because there's no youth there. They don't have any young people at the church where he's at. I said, don't you leave. If you leave, it needs to be over the will of God. He's got children coming up and, and was naturally concerned. I said, don't you worry about that. It doesn't matter if, you, if your uh, son and your daughter is the only young people in that church. Uh, it may be the best thing that ever happened to you. And then God may give you some young people down the road. Uh, but don't you leave because of that. And he said, preacher, I, I'm not leaving because of that. And so I said, just make sure it's the will of God. But he was concerned about his, uh, his young people his kids not being in a youth group. I'm going to tell you, a youth group can be the greatest thing going on in a church and it can also be a detriment. You remember that tonight. Uh, if you love God and serve God, it's wonderful. But I'm telling you, listen, sometimes uh, uh, the devil will get in a youth group just like he will a church. Amen? Uh, and you'll get moms and dads as, to, as well tonight. I'm saying this young man, he didn't have a youth group. He wasn't sitting shoulder to shoulder with his friends in church. No. I'm telling you, here he is. Uh, he's living in a palace, but guess why a palace can be a lonely life amen when you're a king and he had the ability but he also had the temptation he could do whatever he wanted to whenever he wanted to and he had the resources to do that but what I want us to notice tonight is that this young man did what was right amen and young person you've got to determine that tonight you don't serve God on accident you don't serve God by chance or circumstance it don't just work out for you to serve God I'm telling you you've got to make your mind up and you better do it before temptation comes. You better do it before that worldly crowd comes. You better do it before you get on the job. Listen, you can't do it because of your parents and you can't not do it because of your parents. You've got to make your mind up somewhere along life's road. I am going to live for God. Amen. All the days of my life. And this young man, I got to thinking this afternoon as I was reading this text, I thought, I wonder what it was that was the reason as to why Josiah had a youth revival that lasted. I want you to notice these four ages tonight because I think they give us the answer. Number one, I think it was because he was willing when he was eight years old. You think about it tonight, he was willing 
when he was eight years old. What I mean by that, we'll look at it here in just a moment in verse number two. There's not a whole lot, even though he's king, that he can do. And what I mean by that is he's eight years old. We can't expect too much out of young people. Uh, well, you we got to let them live in their age. Can I get a witness right there? I mean, don't try to grow them up too fast. Amen? Uh, don't try to impress others with how much they know or how much they can do. If they're eight years old, you let them be an eight-year-old. That doesn't mean they're dumb. That doesn't mean they can't do nothing. But what that means is when they're eight, don't expect what you would out of a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old. Amen? And Josiah is eight years old. And the Bible says he began to reign in verse number one. But look what he's doing in verse number two. Look what he's doing at eight years old. The Bible said he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David his father and declined neither to the right nor to the left. Now, young people, you hear me tonight. At eight years old, you know what he could do? The only thing an eight-year-old old could do. He was just willing at eight years old. He was willing to what? He was willing to obey. The Bible said he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Is that not what the Bible says? Children, that's children, that's young people. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And you know what he did? He did right in the sight of the Lord. I mean he was willing to obey. He was also willing to observe. He didn't know it all at eight years of age. Amen. I met a few of those but he walked in the ways of David his father. At eight years old he realized how much he did not know and so he, he, he modeled his life after someone that had done right and he was willing to follow. You see before you can lead you got to be willing to follow. There's a lot of people they want to be leaders. The only problem is they don't know how. Amen. You say preacher do you know how? No. I'll tell you one thing I've learned how to follow in life and if you learn how to follow, that's the only way you'll learn how to lead. Amen. At eight years old, he was willing to observe the ways of David, his father, the older David. He was willing to observe a life that had already been lived, a life that had already had its good times, it had its successes, and it had its failures. And you know what Josiah did? He studied the life of David. You know, young people tonight, you might be 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12. You hear me tonight, you'll do good to look at your parents and listen to your parents, uh, listen to your pastor, listen to your pastor's wife, uh, listen to your Sunday school teacher, listen to them gray-haired saints of God. Don't listen to people the same age as you. Hey, young person, you be willing to obey. Listen, you do what your parents say. If they say clean up your room, don't give them so no lip about it. Go clean up your room. Amen? Hey, listen, if they teach you how to do something, you do it the way they taught you how to do it. Isn't that right? And if somebody says, well, you know there's a better way to do that, then you just politely say to them, there might be, but this is the way my daddy taught me how to do it. This is the way my mother taught me how to do it. I'm telling you you follow their ways. You listen. You listen to what the man of God says when he tells you to do something. I Listen, I don't want to listen, rule your life. That's not my goal tonight. But young person, you've got to be willing amen, to obey the authority that's in your life. He was willing to obey. He was willing to observe. He was also willing to omit. The Bible said he declined neither to the right nor to the left. At eight years old, here's what he did. He set his eyes on the Lord. And he said, I don't know much. Hey, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 
Ten-year-old, listen to me, six-year-old. You say, what can I do, preacher? Set your eyes on the Lord in this book. And he said, Lord, I'm not going to decline to the, to the left or to the right, but I'm just going to please you. You know, if you start out with an ambition to please God, then you can have great success in life. And Josiah, at eight years old, why did he have a youth revival? Because he started right. He started with a desire not to please those around him, but to please God. What is your desire tonight? Who are you trying to please? I'm telling you, listen, I see it all the time, not just in youth, but who are you trying to please? If you're here tonight to please the preacher, then you're miserable. If you're here tonight just to please your parents, you're probably miserable. But if you're here tonight because you want to please God, you're probably enjoying the service, getting something out of it tonight. I'm telling you, it makes a difference. When you're doing what you're doing to please him, you may be here tonight and say, well, I've been hurt in church. Well, that's not a crutch to sit around and get lazy on God. You say, well, somebody did me wrong. You're not the first person that's been done wrong in the church house. You're not going to be the last person. It's not your first time. And if it is, suck it up, buttercup, because it's not going to be your last time. Amen. The truth is we've all been hurt and we've all hurt others. Amen. But what is true is the one that we serve and the one that we love and the one that we're supposed to be doing everything for. He's never hurt us. He's never done us wrong. And we must be a willing vessel to do whatever God wants us to do. You know, you could be 40 years old tonight, 50 years old, and say, I'm not a young person. No, but you can learn from an eight-year-old tonight. I can learn from an eight-year-old. You can learn from anybody. And you can't let an eight-year-old know that you learned something from them. But children will teach you a lot of things, won't they? I don't say tonight he was, had a youth revival because he was willing when he was eight years old. I want to say he had a youth revival that lasted because he was waiting when he was 16 years old. Notice what the Bible says in verse number three, for in the eighth year, he's now 16 years old, of his reign, while he was yet young, look what the Bible said, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. Now that little portion of that scripture tonight is all the Bible says here about Josiah when he was 16 years old. You might be a teenager and say, well, that's not a whole lot said about a teenager. Well, that's because a teenager don't do a whole lot. They don't know a whole lot. I'm not saying you're dumb tonight when I make that statement, but there wasn't a lot to fill in at 16 years of age. But what God did say about him was very weighty tonight, young people. I'm telling you, God don't waste words and he don't waste lines in this Bible. Amen? And God can say a whole lot and just a little about somebody. And in this passage of Scripture, he talks about his years. It was 16 years old, his eighth year. He talks about his youth. It highlights that while he was yet young. But it talks about him yielding. He began to seek after God, seek after the God of David, his father. Now, why is that all the Bible says about it? I'm going to tell you one reason why. Because that was the most important thing in Josiah life. He was willing at eight years old. Now he's a teenager. He's 16 years old. He's going to have more responsibility in life. You know, he's got to make some big decisions the older he gets. So the most important thing for him to do as a 16 year old young man is to just wait on God. You know where young people get in most trouble? They're not willing to wait. You got to be willing to wait on the right person to come in your life. You'll marry the wrong person. 
And ultimately, who you marry is going to determine the kind of Christian you're going to be. I had a man one time say, well, I don't believe a bit of that. I said, well, you can, you can look at it all through this Bible. You, listen, I, I can't tell you the times that people have even came to this church and over time they left the church and one reason they left the church was, was because uh, one, one spouse uh, didn't want to live for God the other one did. I've heard it said many times to me as a pastor, said, preacher, I would stay here but she don't want to stay. I would stay here but he don't want to stay. Young people, you hear me tonight, it's worth waiting, Amen. I don't care if you're 30 years old when you get married. But listen, you'd be better off to be 30 years old and marry the right person as to marry at 18 or 20 and marry the wrong person. Amen? I'm telling you, listen, tonight, he was willing to wait. You gotta be willing to wait uh, on the right person. You gotta be willing to wait on the right profession. Amen? I mean, listen, it's okay when you're 16 and 17 years old to be bagging groceries or to be cutting a lawn or doing something like that. Listen, you ought to have an ambition and you ought to have a goal. I think you ought to have some direction. You ought to talk to your parents uh, and you ought to pray with your parents about what the will of God is uh, for that profession that, that God wants you to have. And, and there ought to be some direction. Your parents will help you with that. But I would say this tonight. Uh, uh, listen, you ought to never take a job that's going to pull you out of church. Uh, that's going to take you away from the house of God. You don't have mouths to feed. You don't have bills to pay right now. There's no reason why you should ever take a job that's going to cause you to miss Wednesday night or cause you to miss Sunday morning or Sunday night. I'm telling you, you got to make your mind up. And parents, you hear me tonight. You need to encourage and you need to reinforce what the preacher is preaching tonight. Don't you go home and tell them, well, that's just what Brother Rick thinks. Oh no. That's what this Bible says. So much the more as you see the day approaching. And if you want your children to marry in the will of God and if you want them to make the right choices, you've got to understand as a parent there is more to life than just making money. Amen. I mean, don't be so eager. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think, especially boys, they don't need to be lazy. Can I get a witness? I believe that about girls, too. I mean, they need to know how to fold laundry and wash and dry and, and make biscuits and wash dishes and mop floors and, and uh, you know, clean a toilet properly. Somebody say amen right there. You got to teach them them things. You can't just give them something and say, go out and do it. Amen. You got to show them how to do it. And then when they don't do it good enough, you got to show them how to do it again. Amen. And they don't need to be lazy. And boys don't need to be lazy. They need to be working. Amen. But listen, you got to prioritize things. You may get them a job and think you're doing good, but if the job you get them pulls them away from the house of God and causes them to think that church is second to work, then you have not directed them in the right direction. I'm telling you tonight it's the truth. And you may be here tonight and say, well, I don't like you preaching that way, preacher. Well, I'm telling you five years down the road, those chickens will come home to roost if you let them have a low expectation of church attendance. Amen. And you young people hear me tonight, getting a job does not give you the right to miss the house of God. You need to get on your knees and trust God enough and say I'm going to get a job that lets me put church first, lets me put God first in my life. I'm going to live for God and if you've got a job right now uh, that, that pulls you away then just quit it. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> or pray. I hit a stump when I said that. You know what you do when you hit a stump? You back up. 
And you just keep pounding it till you dig it out. Amen. But I'm telling you, you know, I get tired of watching young people raising godly homes in a good church. And when they get 16, 17, and 18, they just, they, they, you know, they, and they go out there and they, don't, they ain't got a conviction one about Wednesday night prayer meeting anymore. And then what happens to, or Sunday night, and I'm telling you, that they're going, to, if, if they don't stay under the preaching of God's word, they're going to make the wrong choices. So, preacher, but I raised them right. I raised them. No, listen, it ain't about raising. It's about them getting a steady diet and having convictions. I'm saying tonight, wait. Wait on the right profession. Wait on the right person in life. Amen. You got to be willing to wait. God puts all of us in his waiting room time and time again. If you don't learn how to wait in your teens, I'm going to tell you something. It ain't the last time you're going to be in that waiting room. Well, there's things tonight that I, you know, I'm the type of person, everything should have been done yesterday. I mean, that's just how, that's just the way life is for me. And I don't, I don't think everybody has to be that way, but that's just the way my mind works. It, it should, man, I should have got that done yesterday. That should have been done yesterday. But you know what? Sometimes God just puts you in a place where you just got to wait. The worst mistake you'll ever make is when you hurry up and just make a decision and you get ahead of God. You know why we hadn't built a building yet? It's not because we couldn't go to the bank and get the money. It's trying to wait. You say, we're going to build a building? Sure, we're going to build one. Jesus don't come, and if he does, they can have his whole mess. Oh, we're going to build a building. We're, we're, we're working in that direction even right now. But, but timing is everything, isn't it? Timing is everything. Young person, you got to wait. Why did, you, why did Josiah have revival all the days of, of, of his youth? I'm going to tell you why. Because when he was 8 years old, he was willing. Uh, it, when he was 20 years old, he was waiting. And I noticed this. Why did he have revival, uh, youth revival that lasted? Because he was wise when he was 20 years old. In the 12th year, look at verse number 3, the middle part. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images and they break down the altar of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on uh, high above them he cut down and the groves and, and, the, and the carved images and the molten images he break in pieces notice this he made dust of them and strode it upon the graves of them that sacrificed unto them and he burnt the bones of the priests upon the altar and cleansed Judah you ought to underline that in Jerusalem why was Josiah going to such great lengths to do this. I mean, he didn't just tear down the altars, but he crushed uh, those idols into powder and sprinkled them over the graves of those that sacrificed uh, when he burnt the bones of those. Uh, why did he do that? He wanted a proper cleansing. I'm telling you, he was a wise young man by the age of 20. And young people, I want to encourage you. Uh, listen, I know sometimes uh, people will despise your youth and act like you're young and dumb just because you don't know how to do certain things in life. Uh, I remember being at that place in my life at one time but I want to tell you something. You can't be young and be wise. Amen. Daniel was a young man and he was a wise man. But if you're going to be young and be wise, you're going to have to get your wisdom from the Word of God. You're going to have to keep your mind in the Bible. Listen, don't get on a cell phone all the time. Get in the Word of God. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Memorize the Scriptures. Study the Bible. You ain't got to be a preacher to memorize and study your Bible. You get in the Word of God. Have a daily devotion. You're going to need it in this life and that wisdom that comes it only comes from God amen 
You see, here's how wisdom works. Wisdom, the Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, and every man does, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, withholdeth not. Now here's how wisdom works. Anybody can read a book, any book for that matter, and gain knowledge. But wisdom is the ability to apply what you know. And wisdom is God-given. I'm going to tell you how wisdom works. You read this Bible every day, young people. You may read things, and you will read things in here you don't understand, you can't figure out. But you keep reading it every day. And because you read it every day, and you honor God's Word, and you stay in the Bible, and you read it every day, and you let the Word of God just flow through you, here's what's going to happen. When the time comes that you need wisdom for a certain situation, God will always give you the wisdom you need. Not because you have wisdom, because you stayed in the book of wisdom. He will bring to your mind the answer at the very moment you need the answer. Tonight I'm saying the reason he was wise as a young man is because he sought God when he was 16. He surrendered to God when he was eight years old. And here he is building separation in the kingdom. He's getting rid of the idols. Young people, hear me tonight. If you want to have a youth revival all the days of your youth, can you be careful and not to let idols come into your life? You keep things out of your life that will rob you or rob your heart for serving God. If something comes into your life and you love it more than you love Christ, and hey, can I tell you something as your pastor? It's happened to me, not just as a teenager but as a young adult even as a middle aged man it's come into my life sometimes and the Lord that little still small voice will say you don't need that in your life and I might say well Lord why do I not need that because you love that too much or that passion for that is growing more than it needs to be and it may not be sin in and of itself but it's something that can rob you of your spiritual walk with God it can rob you of your joy of serving Jesus and if that's really your passion tonight you got to Make your mind up. I'm going to do You know what he did? He ground those idols into powder. Now here's why. There wasn't no going back and getting them. If they'd have thrown them in a trash heap, there was always a temptation that I could go back to it. I, knew, I know where it is. I can dig. You know, when I was a teenager, when we were, me and my wife was teenagers, I can remember at Faith Baptist Camp on Friday night sometimes, They'd have a, 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 a barrel burning, big old 52-gallon drum, and they'd preach. You remember them, Brother Proctor? And you know what they did? They preached on everything. I mean, anything that moved, they preached on it. And if it didn't move, they bumped it and then preached on it. I mean from your music to your wardrobe to your haircut to your friends to, to dating. I mean, you name it. And you know what? I love that kind of preaching. Didn't make me mad then, don't make me mad now. And we need it. And they preached on every bit of it. And they said, all right, if you got that ungodly mess, uh, young, we'd go to the altar. And young people would get on the altar. And they'd say, if you got that, I mean, whole sermons on rock music, whole sermons on, on country music, just to make the adults mad. They'd preach on that. You know, young people didn't listen to country music back then. They just listened to rock and roll. And the older folks listened to country. So they preached on every bit of it. Amen? And you know what they'd say? They'd say, listen, if you got something in your life or in your home or in your closet, 
closet that on your heart that don't need to be there, you put it on this altar. But if it's tangible and you can get a hold of it, you come put it in the barrel and we'll burn it up on Friday night. Amen. You say, well, ain't no way I'd go to a meeting like that. Well, listen, that's your problem. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, I grew up on it and I thank God for it. Amen. I thank God for preachers that had some wisdom. You know what they were trying to do? They knew if they would put it in the barrel and if they would set it on fire, it'd go back to hell where it came from and there'd be a lesser temptation of them going and getting it back again. Amen. You put it in a hope chest and slide it under the bed somewhere and say, I'm done with it. Every night you lay your head on your pillow, the devil's going to come and remind you where it's at. And I'll tell you, he ground it to powder. That's a wise man. Young person, you burn every bridge that doesn't involve serving God. You don't ever go back. Don't ever even look back. You'll lose friends along life's way, but we all do. And when your friends leave and your friends go out and your heart is broke, well, they don't come to church here. They don't go to school here no more. They don't, all this is, and I miss them, and I understand what that is. You remember, there's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. Your heart will always heal from others who walk away. I want to say tonight the reason he had a youth revival that lasted was because he was willing when he was eight. He was waiting when he was 16. He was wise when he was 20. But let me say this tonight. He was working when he was 26 years old. I won't read the text tonight for the sake of time. You can read it when you go home. But from eight, verse number eight down to verse number 13. You know what? Josiah does something that's really, really wise for a young man. Is that he wants to repair the temple, the house of God. And he pulls in men that are more skilled and more stronger and more smarter than he is. And he delegates that authority. It took money in verse 9 and it took manpower in verse number 10 down to verse number 13. You can read it when you go home. The Bible talks about in verse 12 that these men did the work faithfully. Amen. He chose faithful men to oversee the working of God. And young people, this is the principle that I want you to see tonight. At 8 years old, he's willing. At 16 years old, he is waiting. He's just waiting. He's seeking God. Lord, what is it you want me to do as the king? Where is it? Give me wisdom. And at 20, he's a wise young man now. He knows the first thing he's got to do. He's got to destroy and get rid of all these idols that, that's filtered into Judah and that's destroying the people of God's life. And he gets rid of every one of them. Now the work can be done. And at 26 years old, he is involved. Not just involved, but he's involved in the work of God. Young person, you have got to determine that, listen, when I'm 20 years old, when I'm 26, six years old. I'm still going to go to Bible Baptist Church. I'm still going to go out on visitation. I may be married or I may not, but regardless of where I'm at in life, I'm still going to go to Sunday school. I'm still going to be faithful. I'm going to make my, I'm going to involve myself in the work of God. Hey, you know tonight, Dave Terry can't push a dozer the next 40 years. Donald Black can't always sit back there and watch the door. You think about it tonight. Brother Danny Allen, he won't always be able to teach Sunday school. Miss Sheila, and I pray it's till she's 150. 
she won't always be able to play that piano. Your pastor won't always be your pastor. Somewheres when you hit about 20, in the midst of your busy life and thinking about all the things that life has to a family and children and a job and education, those things are very vital in your life. And I'm going to tell you what, all those things have to be surrounded around us, the local church. We got to have you. And you got to have us tonight. The worst mistake a teenager can ever make, a young adult can ever make, is to not be involved in your church. And when I say involved, I don't just mean come, but I mean, well, I look around our church and I thank God young people are doing things. It may seem like small things. They're cutting the grass. They're running a, How many of y'all thank God that you don't have to run a weed eater on these banks at Bible Baptist Church? Amen. Amen. They're running a weed eater. They're running a sound system. They're doing other things. Brother Dathan, I'm, you know, I, I threw him up here Wednesday night with the youth choir. I said, well, let's try it. It'll either be real good or real bad. But then Sunday, I said, let's throw him back up here Sunday. I said, I don't know how to go, but let's try it. You know, I appreciate the young people, and I appreciate the smaller. I saw one of them the other day. They picked up a piece of paper out of the floor, and they were six, seven, eight years old. I don't know how old, how old she was, but she saw a piece of paper and picked it up, and I told her, I said, I appreciate you doing that. Nobody, she didn't have to pick it up. A lot of other people probably I may have walked past it and not saw it. But you want know starts. You, you can do something while you're young. But I tell you, your church has got to be it's got to be first and foremost. I mean, the Lord first and foremost. But Jesus died for the church. And I tell you, when it comes time to meet somebody or, or make a decision about a job, you just be bold about it. You can be kind. Be kind. But be bold about it. So now my church is, is the serving God. It's what you tell them. Serving God's the most important thing in my life. You tell that person, that, that young man or that young lady, now, serving God's the most important thing, and I need to know something right now from you. If you don't want to serve Jesus all the day, and I mean serve Him like a fanatic all the days of your life, then you're not the will of God for me. And then when He tells you yes, because He will, you'd be wise enough to watch and pray. When she says yes, you'd be wise enough to watch and pray. You go to your job, and when you fill out on that application, don't work Sundays, don't work Wednesday nights, and they hire you based on that. And then they come back and say, we need you to work Sunday. He said, well, I filled it out on my application. Well, you got to work Sunday or you're, you're going to lose your job. Well, I'll just pray about it, but I won't be here on Sunday. Amen. I, I, I watched my father-in-law do that. And I'm not fussing. I mean, for people that have, that have homes and, and you're in situations that they are what they are, I'm not fussing at you. But he, years ago, he made that as a, when he first got saved, said, I will never work a Sunday. In a carpet mill, if they told you to work a Sunday, there's always people in the unemployment office back then. If you didn't work a Sunday, they fired you right there on the spot. Or if you didn't do what they said, they fired you right there on the spot. They had people's applications all day long. And I remember his boss was, I worked down, uh, down, uh, down the mill from him just a little ways. And I remember his boss was always a hothead. He was running around that coat or always uh, fired up about something, always screaming at somebody. And I seen him get in his face 
and say, if you're not here Sunday, you've been there 30 years. He said, I'll fire you. He said, I will not be here on Sunday. And you know what he did? He didn't, my wife will tell you, he didn't show up on Sunday. 4.30 on Monday, he went back to work. And I'm going to tell you, oh, I about called his name. I'm going to do that. He come through there like an old toad frog all day on Monday. Wouldn't speak to him. But he didn't get fired. I'm telling you, God will take care of you tonight. He'll take care of you. And I understand if you're an adult and you have to work a Sunday, your life is what it is, and I understand that. I'm not fussing on you about that. Please understand. I understand. But I want to help them while they're at this age. I want to help them before they have to. And in this crazy world, who knows what they're going to ask of you nowadays. It's, that's, you've got to somewhere make your mind up what you're going to do about all that. Tonight as we stand, I want you to have revival as a young person. And it's for everybody tonight, not just young people. But I'll tell you tonight, here's the path if you look at his life on how it can last. Willingness, waiting, wise, and working in the things of God. And you'll stay in a spirit of revival. Tonight as we bow our heads, as they sing as a song, if you need to use the altar, you come tonight. You let God have his way.